Blog Talk oh, Radio. Do the countdown. Oh, hang on. There we go. This is all about wine. Talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert. Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do in this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwine.br. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine all about BTR. and now all about wine is on here's Ron Ron yeah. I, I, I want to thank you Mike for asking our whistler to tone it down uh, yeah I had to there were yeah Way too loud for a broadcast. Yeah, so, so uh, that that was that was good. I it's not piercing mm-hmm. at the beginning of the show anymore. So that's that's a good thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you know, I know you had to talk yeah. talk with him because you know we were just talking about oh, it. Was, it and, yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, threats so, sometimes good. help. But it just it just depends. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> first thing. Four people in Afghanistan and Syria. They're saying 20,000 so far that they're figuring dead, and they said that count's going to rise. So, uh, you know, keep them in your thoughts, uh, prayers, or whatever it is that you happen to use. And if you want to donate, there's all sorts of ways. Red Cross probably is the easiest way you can donate, but it's devastating. I mean, I saw a little short video that said that what made this earthquake so bad was that it was so close to the surface. If it were deeper, Mm. it would not have shook so violently. But this one was so close to the surface, comparatively, you know, for earthquakes, and it's so close to the surface, and it just, you know, it's just not building down. I mean, it's amazingly destructive, So, so... one thing, uh, one thing to add about the donations part is uh, before you make a donation and you commit to it, be sure to check out looking for the donation um, and, and I guess vet them or something, whatever you want to call it. But like the Red Cross, okay, you know. But, you know, Joe Blow down the street or something uh, decides to set up some fake fund or something. Oh, I'm going to help them out. Just stick to a reliable you know, charity or, or a source that you know is going to help them out, not pocket the money for themselves, because there are a lot of scammers out there that take advantage of this kind of thing. So, um, just to, um, always be aware of who you're donating to and 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 the cause, and that it's going to go to the cause. So, um, Very one good thing point. to be aware yeah. of: there's a lot of scams out there. People want to want to make that easy cash, and they pick a time like this to do it, and they're and they're scum for doing it. But uh, you know. Um, yeah, don't yeah. fall for it. So, Good point. Yeah. Uh, don't fall for it. Yeah. Thank you. Just want to get yeah, that out. Thank you. you know, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of good ones. Like, you know, Mike and I would just say mm-hmm. Red Cross is always a mm-hmm. reliable source. And if you're not a Red Cross fan, there are a lot of others out there that you can, you know, it right. just takes, you know, less than a minute research to check them out. Yeah. So do that. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, and something else I wanted to talk about, too, before we actually got into the show show. Uh, let me find it here. And Oops. Oh, geez. I just clicked the wrong button and got out of that. Um, okay. That was, oh, the yeah, that was the Syria-Turkey thing. 20,000 so far. Why? Uh, hmm. Let me... Eliminate this and go into this and look at this. Okay, I just saw this. I thought this was interesting, if I can find it again. Oh, here it is. Podcast shrinkage. 
we are a broadcast, and thank you all for continuing to listen to us over the years. We continue to have our, our followers out there, and we have been picked as some of the better podcasts over the years and stuff like that. And it's all because of our listeners, because they tune in and uh, keep us going, and all of our guests have always been great over the years and all that. But I saw this. It says, after years of rapid growth and a pandemic boom, podcasts are producing a host of down arrows. Fewer people are creating new shows, which during the uh, shutdown, it was uh, the pandemic shutdown, it was uh, unbelievable how many people started podcasts. They wanted to do something while they were at home, so they figured they'd start podcasts. We continued throughout the COVID. It's just like, you know, it didn't affect us, really, and we had our share of guests and stuff like that. But it says that the once groundbreaking format of podcasts is entering a precarious middle age. And the numbers, the podcast ad market hasn't grown as quickly as many hoped. Uh, its $1.5 billion size in 2022 was minuscule compared to the nearly $70 billion spent on TV ads. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, there's that. that's, you know, not comparing apples to apples or oranges to oranges. That's not really a fair assessment there, I don't think. But the ads are down. We, we looked into doing ads and kind of find anything that matched or anything. It just, I don't know. Uh, I still look at possibilities of ads, and we just never have done it. Um, and it might pay for our, our blog talk radio cost every month, but uh, that's all we would look at. And we know we're not going to get rich off of it. Uh, sorry, Mike. Uh, <laughs> podcast. Podcast uh, search. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! Uh, podcast search engine Listen Notes, which I've never heard of that before, uh, found an 80% drop in new podcasts created this last year uh, compared to the previous year. Yeah, but you compare the previous couple years during the pandemic to previous years of podcast startups, and you're probably going to see a peak pandemic. I mean, you know, let's get real here. The a listener growth shrank by 5% year over year. So that's not real big there. It says that uh, the an annual report from Edison Research found declines for the first time in monthly and weekly U.S. listening habits. And they said that it's probably because uh, the boom in new TV shows after the pandemic and people had more time to listen to the podcast during the pandemic. But we have our listeners on, on All About Wine that have been with us some time and we have new ones that pop in and stuff like that. So it's not like, you know, we are hurting. So it's the 10 most listened to podcasts, la- oh, excuse me, 10 most listened to podcasts last year are stacked with shows that have been around for years. Us, uh, most recent top shows date from 2019, and six of the top ten are at least seven years old. So, you know, I mean, we're approaching, what, 13 years? So we've been around, we've got our listeners, and we've got the people that know about us and look forward to us and listen to us on archives on I know there's people out there that listen to us on a regular basis on archives, and we appreciate that. So, uh, but this this article just caught my eye since we are a podcast ourselves. Uh, so, uh, it says that the uh, Edison's again that Edison uh, group said that uh, the data shows 74 million weekly listeners in the U.S. last year. Oh, my gosh, 74 million weekly listeners. And they said that it's hurting. I think that's a pretty good thing for podcasts, considering how many podcasts are out there. You have a few that get a lot of listeners, but, you know, 74 million, that's a a good amount of people. So 
podcasts they say are hurting all about wine is not thank you for keeping us in the in the go on all that stuff and we appreciate it it says the big drop cast from last year is mostly because of one episode shows uh low quality shows people just jump in there and they try to do something and they drop back out and excuse me i'm still talking to our cigar guys uh you can check them out too we did a show on cigars oh geez what is it, a year and a half ago now oh my gosh i can't remember uh it's been some time uh last year Early part of last year, we did a show on cigars, and I'm still talking with these guys, and they're mentioning different people in the cigar industry that go out and try to do a podcast, and they'll do it once and not again. So it's not just, you know, in any field. It's in all the fields. Uh, Some of the wine podcasts that I was checking out was interesting, and then I never find them again. So... Again, thanks for being loyal to us. We really think that's cool. Okay. Uh, Let me uh, go into this tab. Let me find some of the things I want to talk about on this. There we go. My throat for some reason is really bad today so I'll try to get as much talking done as I can before I fade out and won't be able to say anything then Mike will have to take over and finish the show Uh, (laughs) 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 or or not Excuse me. Wow. Something that caught my eye here. Wine behaviors of ages 21 to 39 beverage alcohol consumers. And there's uh, that's a big group. Consumers under age 40. Uh, it, it was a survey sent out, and they said that most of them drink alcohol two to three times a month or even more often. There was 631 people responded to the survey, and they were pretty much divided, they said, between 21 to 29 and 31 to 39, and pretty much evenly by gender. Female respondents were 58 versus uh, 43% male, or 42% actually to get your perfect percentage. But uh, it says that the uh, frequency of are more often of drinking wine was 30%, two to three times a month, 33%, and about once a month, 16%, less often or never was as high as 21% uh, for wine, as opposed to 17% less often or never for beer and 20% for spirits. So wine was um uh, less often or never up there higher than the other two, which really surprised me. I expected wine to be sipped on more often than uh the others, but you know. Uh although wine and spirits tend to fall pretty much even all the way through. Weekly or more often wine thirty percent, spirits thirty percent, two to three times a month, wine thirty three percent. Spirits 34%, about once a month, wine 16, spirits 16%, and less often ever 21 and 20. So there's that difference of the other there. So, you know, wine and spirits are pretty even on that. Uh, Of the uh, preference groups, consumption by type, uh, 74% prefers beer if they're going to drink. Now, this is... Again, you have to realize this is broken down pretty much even between uh, male and female and and age group. Uh, Surprising that uh, beer popped up so high. Wine came in at 49% and spirits came in at 15%. uh, So... Wine does have a good showing in there. It's uh, a drink that doesn't 
fill you up and it doesn't get you drunk as quickly. And it's probably a go-to drink for a lot of people because of that. Wine consumption specifically here, uh, the says that the net change in consumption, uh, 20-year-olds or 20 to 30 are drinking 16% more wine, whereas the 39 is drinking 8% more wine. So uh, it's a, a moving up category. The uh, Those in the 20s were most likely to report increased consumption frequency over all types of beverages, though. Um, whereas uh, it's notable that increased consumption frequency of wine among the 21 to 29 was equal to their increased consumption frequency of spirits. So, uh, again, spirits and wine just hang right in there together. Uh, the <laughs> category that I thought was interesting was this particular one, uh, the better for you wine purchases and interests. This is an interesting category that you don't see too often. Respondents were asked to indicate their purchase history or interest in better-for-you wines, uh, defined as lower in alcohol, calories, carbs, and sugar than in typical wines. And then more than one-third of the respondents in the 20s and 30s cited previous purchases of such wines. So... Uh, interesting. The findings align with previous studies that have shown that the higher purchase incident of better for you wines uh, jumps up higher for those under 40 than in the higher 40, 50, 60 group. So uh, that was really interesting. The uh, uh, the sometimes buy in the 20s, 37% interested and buy. 39% in the 20-year-olds, 8% tried it, not liked it, and no interest, 16%. 30-year-olds, 36% sometimes buy it, 39 interested, and then 7 and 18 in the other two categories. So uh, pretty much even there across the board on, on uh, people. Another interesting category that they showed here was the organic and sustainable wines the 20 to uh the 20 to uh 29 found that organic grapes were very important 28% and somewhat important also 28% whereas the 30 to 39 21% very important 29 somewhat important uh, that is in the organic category, the sustainable category. Uh, 20s, 31% and 27 on very and somewhat. And the 30s, 24 and 32 on the very and somewhat important. So these are categories. This is what's driving a lot of our current, I, I don't want to say fad, uh, but yeah, uh, current fad current uh, thing that is really selling some of these things. They're, they're looking for the sustainable practices and they're looking for the uh, organic and stuff like that. And it's showing in not just the grapes, or, uh, not just in the wines that they buy, but also in the wines that are being made out there, which is... Uh, a big category. If people are going to buy them, they're going to make them. And that will create even more of a, a market for them. You know, it's the old case 22. You make them, they're going to be, you know, going to be bought and going to be sold. So interesting little uh, wine opinions is uh, what it was. Let me see what that is, is from. What? Trying to see what that's, yeah, just wine opinions. I, I don't see anything else that, just wine opinions. <laughs> so, uh, drinking habits, it just covered that 21 to 39 age group. So, if you're 40 to, 
you know, a hundred and it didn't check you, but a lot of times they're saying that 29 to 39 year old or 20 to 39 year old or 21 actually drinking age to 39 year old is the biggest consumption group and the biggest buying group right now. Who knows? You know, uh, a quick little thing here, corky trees. I mentioned corky trees, I believe last week, uh, key trees, if you're not familiar with them, if you have a wine that you like, that's personal to you, and you're going to a restaurant and you want that wine served to you instead of buying it since you can't get at that restaurant or something like that, restaurants charge what they call corky trees, where you take the bottle in there, you give it to the sommelier or, or to the waiter or whatever and say, we want this served, and they charge you a fee to uncork it and to present it to you and to pour it and all that stuff. Now, I've been in restaurants years ago, and Corky's trees were $10, $15, and I thought that was a little... A little ridiculous at the time because, you know, I'm bringing the wine in and everything and all they're doing is pouring the cork out and pouring me a glass. But, uh, you know, I got used to it. And when you go into fancy restaurants or stuff, the corky tree is really pretty common. It, it offsets the fact that they're not selling their own wines, which typically are marked up three, even four times. So, the corky tree helps offset the fact that they can't sell their own wine. Well, San Francisco Bay Area is average price on corky trees now has jumped up to $50. What? Yeah, $50 if you bring your own in. Uh, many places uh, used to be 15 and they're jumping up to 30 now, double uh, that, which 30 is, seems to be the norm. And fancier restaurants are going 50 and even as high as uh, 65. And the French Laundry, we talked about that, what was it, last week, a couple of weeks ago, we had a guest, uh, guest on, and she said that uh, we were talking about French Laundry, which is a a very exclusive restaurant in, I, I, I want to say in St. Helena, but they might be in Yonkville there. I'm not sure exactly where the border is. Their corky fee is $200. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's, you know, it's a, you're going to drop a coin there when you, when you go to the French Laundry anyway. I mean, that's a foregone conclusion. But, for $200, you can buy yourself a nice wine there. And you're in the heart of Napa, so it could probably be a lot cheaper to, to buy another wine instead of bringing in your own, unless you really, really want to have your own for any special occasion. But $200 is the corky tree now at French Laundry. Um that's just when I saw that I, I was uh, taken aback, as they say. So, but if you are concerned about corky trees, or if you are going to a restaurant where you want to take your own wine, call first. That is always the prudent thing to do. If you call first and find out uh, what they charge for corky trees, then you won't be shocked, or you might want to change your mind about taking your own. Uh, uh, it's it just, you know, the wine lists are, and most of the restaurants are very good, and, you know, it's almost insulting, I think, on unless you really, really are close to a bottle of wine that you want to try to bring in your own instead of buying it from the restaurant. So, there you go. That's my opinion. Uh, what's this? There, let me give you a quote here. A Paul Inbun, owner of the Morris restaurant in San Francisco, which is a, uh, a high-end restaurant there, 
says, and I quote, when people bring in wines to these restaurants that, that really care, that hurts. Emotionally as well as financially. So there you go. That's why the corky trees are so high there. It's just, you know, they, there's a little way of saying, you know, we've got all these wines and you still have to bring one in. So call first, though. It's really from all that, call first. Um, another report, this that time of year when they're coming out with all sorts of reports and stuff and everything, the the slow of winter, and so they start doing surveys and stuff. Another report states uh, that the wine industry is slowing down. The report found that the wine industry continues to fail at capturing the Gen Z and millennial market. And they feel that's the only area for growth in American wines is to grab that market. Um, the biggest growth is happening in the 70 to 80 year olds. Yay for them. Uh, and, you know, let's face it, the 70 to 80 year olds are mostly on limited income and they aren't going to be around for a long time. So the wine industry really has to start looking at picking up the, the youth market, and that's where it's going to sustain the businesses, and that's where it's going to continue to grow. And it's not right now. The sad thing is it's uh, not catching on. Um, the report suggests that young drinkers aren't getting into starter wines. Uh, the ultra-affordable mass bottles of under $15 uh, aren't being bought. Sales of bottles above $15 are on the rise, and uh, sales growth for a high production winery selling under $15 bottles of wine are dropping off uh, quite a bit. And because of that, they are a little concerned uh, about where the market is going. The affordable reds and whites uh, are being picked up by youth. It's, it's they aren't picky. They aren't looking at any particular type. Uh, most of them stick to the cheap wines that are sweet, and they're looking at hard seltzers and uh, canned wines and uh, canned cocktails. And so these things are catching on, but it's not really the wine market. The bottles that the wine industry has sold for ever, and it says that the uh, uh, the survey noted that 35% of 21 to 29 year olds drink alcohol, but not wine. 5% of the consumers now abstain from alcohol entirely. So it is concerning. It is concerning. Uh, the uh, Gen Zs and Millennials, uh, like I just read in that survey, spirits are there with the wine market. And because of that, the uh, wine market can't bust into it and start bringing you know, more over to them. So it's a challenge. Uh, they are full of words and full of ideas and full of things to do and nothing's working. So the things that they're trying now, and I just mentioned that in that survey that I just was telling you about, is the organic and sustainable and the uh, uh, biodynamic couldn't think of the word, and the biodynamic and, and stuff like that. These are the things that they're trying to to let the youth know that uh, these are the things that, you know, you asked for and we're doing this, and so start buying wine. So if you're if you're one of those groups listening to the show, uh, touch out, grab other stuff. It is interesting that you can find things that are really 
much better for not a whole lot more money. And once you start trying them, you're going to start getting hooked on them, I guarantee you. I have a, uh, a granddaughter who likes wine, but she likes sweet wine. She's 21 years old, and she likes sweet wine, and she she prefers uh, sweet drinks. And it she's and she's part of the generation that has grown up on Starbucks, and not just Starbucks coffee, but Starbucks drinks, which you know give me a coffee with uh, a shot of vanilla and a shot of this and uh, half cream and whipped cream and sugar and, you know, and they're not coffees, but they're just sweet drinks. And because she grew up on stuff like that, and a lot of the Gen Z has grown up on, on the Starbucks sweet drinks, the transition to wine is too sweet. And I'm... This isn't a uh, a survey or anything I've done. This is an opinion, but I guarantee you that that's what has been swaying a lot of the people, young people going into the sweeter wines because of all the sweet drinks, Starbucks, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, or Dunkin', and all these that offer now, McDonald's even, to offer these sweet coffees and stuff. And so when they start going into wine, it's sweet that they prefer, and uh, which is I don't know. Uh, it's a start. I, I I can't say something bad about it because they are drinking wine. So a lot of them are going into wines, uh, but a lot of the winemakers find it. Uh, insulting to be making sweet wines and so they don't so uh yeah it's uh something they i guess if they want to start selling might start trying to capture a little bit more of that market oh uh, this caught my eye here the european union and that does include some, uh, well, some of the best wine countries in the world. European Union said that in 2022, in fake wine, beer, and spirits, cost them $3.2 billion in lost sales. That's U.S., $3 billion uh, euro. But... $3.2 billion in lost sales from fake. That is staggering, if you really start thinking about it. Uh, that's a lot of money to be losing to fake wines, and that's a lot of people out there that are buying fake wines, thinking that they're good stuff. Um, it's also affecting country's revenue and uh, that tax and excise duty tax and stuff like that. They said the excise duty taxes uh, for the UK uh, was, let's see, the estimates UK I'll call tax gap from 2021, uh, 2020 to 2021 was $1.5 billion U.S. because of fake wines and, well, fake spirits. I, I shouldn't just say wines. So, uh, which, you know, we say, oh, yeah, well, that doesn't affect me. Yeah, it does. It does affect you. It affects you because when they start losing money like that, they raise prices. And when they raise prices, then it does affect you because you're paying more. You're paying more for the something that you would have paid less if they didn't have to make up for it. Uh, but while we're on the topic of millennials and Gen Zs, what does it take? Well, here's an article that I saw that I uh, thought was interesting. They asked different 
uh, millennials and Gen Z what it would take. And uh, they had different opinions and different things, but uh, one of them was, this is from a, a Dania Deegan, who uh, uh, director of operations and wine for Duck and the Peach in Washington, D.C., says a wine dinner and a trip and or a trip to wine country or even walk into a wine store cost way too much money. You know, we need to lower the prices on this stuff. Keep the events to the cost of affordable $20 a bottle. She says if you do that, start bringing back music and art to introduce people to the wine and it'll help. San Francisco used to have a great big event every year, which I used to love going to. I don't know if they do it anymore or not, but they would close down like two city blocks, and there was this uh, little park in the middle of it. They'd close down like two city blocks, and they would invite wineries from all over the area uh, to come, and they were able to sell their wines there. It wasn't just tasting. They can sell them. And it was it was fantastic. They it, it was always crowded. I used to always go over there and love to visit those things and see it. And they do it every year. I don't know if they still do it or not, but stuff like that. And they have bands playing and they different freebies and prizes and stuff. A fantastic event. Stuff like that brings people out and into the wine industry and into the wine business. Um, Another uh, Tia Polite uh, says that a exploratory uh, explorative pours uh, by the glass. She said is great, but people don't want to buy a whole glass of wine just to see if they're going to like it or not, or if they're interested in it. She said uh, little taste in restaurants and stuff like that is a good way to. Open up the wine market, which is true. These are these are good points. Uh, Robin Wright, who a millennial, says just what I mentioned earlier: uh, farm-focused, organic, or female-driven wineries, or black-owned wineries. These are all things that uh, social change. These are things that millennials and Gen Zs are looking at that will probably boost sales and. Uh, interest in wines. Uh, uh, Jessica uh, Blumenthal, a millennial here, says that disclose nutritional information. <sighs> yeah, Jessica, that would be a good idea, but not on the label. I I don't disagree that people might want to know what's in the wine. And they're basically organic. They're basically just wine and maybe a little bit of water. I mean, you know, a few things that are added to it is just to stabilize it and stuff. And maybe people want to see it, but, you know, there are like 200 different chemical breakdowns to a glass of white wine, over 300 to a glass of red wine. Do you want all those listed? Uh, you know, we've got four grams of this and six grams of that. And I mean, that can get carried away on the label or you can put that in your website and you know you're going to be paying labs to break this stuff down so you know and you don't know what half of them are anyway and 99% of them aren't going to bother you as it is so uh, it might be nice to disclose the nutritional information but just basic nutritional information would be would be okay and you know you can you know, I taught my wine class. I would say you want nutritional information, and I would just give a generic nutritional information for a glass of red wine and one for a glass of white wine. And it would apply to just about all of them. I mean, it didn't vary a whole lot. So, okay, nutritional information. Another one, embrace social media. I think they do. Uh, I think wineries do. We do. Mike is sitting there right now uh, sending out social media uh, 
tweets and TikToks and Instagrams and stuff like that throughout the show. And I think this helps, and it helps a lot, I think, to you know, pick up people and listeners and keep people notified of what's going on. And uh, this uh, Maggie Cruz millennial says it's something that uh, lets the Gen Z and Gen X know uh, what's going on out there. Ian Loki, who also a millennial, says that you should don't shun the can. Uh, can't seem to get past the idea that if it isn't in a glass bottle, it must be trash. And that's probably true in a lot of instances. Uh, cans, boxes, stuff like that. You're seeing more and more wineries popping into those things, and because they are putting them in those things, uh, it's becoming more acceptable. But there's still a lot of people that aren't. And I I don't think it's the millennials, the Gen Z, Gen X that is against the can. I think it's the older drinkers that look at the can as... You know, wine shouldn't be in a can. I I tend to find myself looking down on cans every once in a while. My, you know, just unintentionally. But wine has never been in a can. It's not where you put wine. You put soda and you put beer in cans. And wine has never been something that you found in a can. Now it is. And I've had some wines out of cans that were very good. And you don't get that can taste that uh, you would expect. I mean, the liners on them are, are don't you know, give you that uh, that off taste. It really tastes like wine. And the same thing within a box. I've had some good wines in a box. A black box wine, uh, their advertisements brag that they've won over 100 gold medals in competitions. Well, when you've got a, a wine that can brag over 100 gold medals regardless of if it's in a box or not. That's pretty darn good. So, you know, wine in a can or wine in a box or stuff, there's nothing wrong with it. And it's something that I think a lot of wineries are going more and more toward that. Uh, Tablas Creek is uh, one of them that I get an email from, and they have embraced the box quite a bit. They're talking about how it's so much more sustainable, how little carbon footprint a box wine creates as opposed to bottles. And they've also started to do wines in kegs that tasting and bars can have it on tap, which is another great idea. Uh, environmentally friendly, it's not going to go bad. It's, you can get a lot more bottles or a lot more glasses out of it and not use the bottles up. I mean, when you're real busy, especially wineries, when you get real busy on a busy weekend, after the weekend, you, you're ending up throwing away three or four cases of bottles that are just in the landfill, especially here in Florida. I mean, they're, they're not taking bottles as a recycle because... They have no market for them. So uh, anything you can do to get around that is always a good thing. So like he says, don't shun the can. Uh, let's you know, start using those, which doesn't just go for the millennials, all of you out there. If you start buying wine in a can or box like that, it's going to continue to support having those. And it is environmentally friendly. Uh, next one, Eric... Muntean, a uh, millennial, says, lower the ABV. Now, uh, he, he cites, the U.S. wine scene needs to broaden from the trend of higher and higher alcohol and take a page from storied but less well-known wines from cooler climates like Germany, Austria, and even New Zealand and a fresher styles of winemaking. I, I think it happens, but yeah, the, the alcohol by volume, the ABV, which is alcohol by volume, can get a little carried away. It can go a little crazy. I've uh, I've seen that happen. California 
And if you're listening in California, you know what I mean. Your ABVs is jumping up, and it um, makes the wine just almost, uh, well, uh, like a spirit. You can just taste some of that alcohol in there, and, you, and it starts getting, well, lower the ABV, he says. I somewhat agree with that. Uh, uh, Justin Cos... Cosmina, millennial, says be transparent. Uh, st- sustainability in wine is in. And he said let people know what you're doing in the vineyards and stuff. I think they do. I think wineries are pretty good about that stuff now. You uh, you get a bottle of wine, and you can read the stuff on the label. You can go to the website. You can ask them, or you can check out on the website. They always say, contact us. You can contact them and say, what was in this wine? Can you tell me? And call them. A lot of wineries have their phone numbers on their websites, um, Facebook, stuff like that. They are very good about getting back to you. At least they have been every time I've contacted them. I will look at a bottle of wine and say, what's in this? And I can't find it. And I will give them a call and say, what's in this? And nine out of ten times, I will get a call back because most of the time when you call a winery, you are going to get the tasting room. And most of the time, the people in the tasting room, the young man or young woman that's in there running are working and starting in the tasting room and then they go into other areas of the winery and they don't know what's in the wines. They don't know much about it except what they have been trained to say when they pour a wine. So a lot of times they will say, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you. And like I say, nine out of ten times they do. I've had a couple of them that never have called me back. And uh, it tends to be irritating, obviously, when you're trying to find out something. Uh, So uh, Gen Z says, don't be snobby, which is basically what I was just saying. You know, the... She's saying put the QR code on it and provide accessibility to tasting notes and all that stuff. and Or phone number. Call the winery. Embrace current trends. This is from Kristen Corville. Uh, natural wines and orange skin contact wines. Yeah, those are two big things right now. They're not going to go away, but I think people are embracing those. Uh, they're not saying it on the label like you're normally used to seeing or something but uh it is it's happening out there uh taylor clark gen z says be relatable and inclusive and we just got to going over that basically female winemakers people of color uh fun labels stories sustainable thought leaders it's happening it's happening i mean how how many of you know the 19 crimes label, uh, the 19 crimes line. That's that's interesting. They have the QR code on there, and you can read what the crimes are about the people and stuff like that. And you can go to the website. It tells you about it and everything. It's just really cool. And a lot of them are embracing that now. A lot of them are putting the QR codes on there to tell you the stories and tell you what it's all about. A lot of them are using the QR codes to contact into their website so you can check out the wines. And they're going on and telling you what all the stuff is in their wines and on their wines and all, which is a great thing. And then the last one here from Daniela Persil, Gen Z, saying, don't take yourself too seriously. That's a good point. Wine's fun. It just—it's not something that is going to change the world. Well, maybe, uh, but it's fun. It's a fun thing to to drink. It's a fun thing to enjoy. It's a fun thing to discover the different ways of it. And if you just have fun with wine, you'll find it's going to be a lot more fun uh, for you. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be a snobby dark restaurant sommelier bringing you this wine talking all about it and you sipping it and all that sometimes it could be on the beach with a can and having friends and drinking wine there or 
on the golf course having cans of wine instead of cans of beer and drinking it there. It's just a fun thing to enjoy. So good point. Have fun with it. Don't take it too seriously. And lots of things there that I was saying that they can do on trends. I think they're doing a lot of them already. I don't think it's something that is new. I don't think that what they're saying there is that new. It's just, you know, they asking for them to, you know, embrace it even more. Okay, let me see here. Uh, Oregon Chardonnay Celebration. Uh, Rahu makes a white turn. Oh, that's a cute lit. Actually, I am looking for a, some stories here that... Uh, let's see, what's this? Oh. <laughs> Oregon's in an uproar over underage liquor. For years, the whole thing is with legislatures and state legislatures saying that they don't want home delivery because the kids will order wine. Well, kids don't order wine. Okay. We, I, I think that's just so much BS. But Oregon now is starting to take a closer look at it, and they're saying that it's delivery. Uh, more rural and less populous areas are greater issues keeping alcohol out of the hands of minors. There is no uniform established procedure or authority for monitoring and embracing various types of alcohol sales practices during delivery to private home settings. Yes, there is. You're supposed to sign for it, all right? This, this is part of it. If it's not being signed for, then it's not the fault of the liquor industry. It's not the fault of the kids. It's the fault of the delivery service. Because they should go in there and say, here, I need your signature. And if some 17-year-old comes up to you, you say, excuse me, can I see your ID? That's as simple as that. And if they say, I don't have one, then get your parents out here. I mean, and and they're saying, uh, Oregon said it, it, a total of 106 observations were completed by Oregon young adults in seven counties and 37% of the home alcohol deliveries were not compliant with ID checking requirements, including 2% that were delivered with no contact, just dropped off at the door. Whose fault is that? They all, and, and there they go. Well, the kids are going to get alcohol. You need the ID. Okay, you go into anywhere and try to buy alcohol, they are going to ask for an ID. It's just standard procedure, especially if you look young. And so Oregon's now looking at legislation that's going to change the delivery. They said the delivery services, FedEx and uh, UPS, declined to answer any specific questions uh, for the story except for just general generic comments, uh, such as FedEx Express and FedEx Ground use ID scan functionality for any delivery that requires an adult signature in the U.S. UPS didn't even respond in time for the story. This is, you know, the standard procedure, and they do drop a lot of it off. I understand that. I, uh, I've had wine dropped off here at the house, and no check of an ID or anything. Uh, although the UPS driver and the FedEx driver that deliver here all the time know me, and so I would not expect them to have to see my ID every time. But they have dropped off, and I'm sure they're on a schedule and they have to do it and they can't wait around or go back and deliver when uh, somebody's home or something. So I can't completely blame uh, those services, but they are the they are the ones. They're the final ones that deliver it. So when these states start squawking, it 
Well, it irritates me. It irritates me because of the fact that that's always the line that they use. Well, the kids are going to get it. That's why we can't do home delivery. The kids are going to order wine. and They're going to be drinking wine. That's why we can't do home delivery. Oh, my God. Come on now. You know, kids most of the time are not going to spend the time, and they don't have a credit card anyway. Wineries aren't going to take it take an order unless you have a credit card and you give them a credit card and and tell them, uh, you know, I want a case of this sweet rosé sent to this address. They're going to say, well, what credit card? You give it to them. Well, kids most of the time aren't going to have a credit card, so they're going to use their parents' credit card. And, you know, they can get in a peck of trouble for that because, you know, you look at the receipts. What's, what's this charge here? And... They have to wait, what, a week, two weeks for it to get there. Whereas if they want wine or if they want something to drink, it's not going to be something that they want to wait around for two weeks. I, I just, the whole thing, it's just, I, I think it's crazy. I've always felt this way about this, well, the kids are going to get it. If the kids want something to drink, they're going to go down to the Seven Eleven or Circle K and stand outside and somebody's going in and say, here's a 20, can you pick me up a, a 12 pack or an 18 pack in there and you know there's always that person that say sure and go and pick it up and take it back out to them you know and, and that's how they drink but you know and i don't think they're saying that the kids are drinking on this so much as they're just saying that they're being dropped off and they took kids who were there to watch it and they saw them drop it off and, it, you know, I mean, let me tell you a story before we end here. I used to work at ABC Liquor, which is a liquor store chain here in Florida. And they've been around for a long time. They, they were bigger than they are now. I, uh, they became ABC Wine and Spirits now. It just used to be ABC Liquor, but Wine and Spirits now. But... One of the things that ABC used to do and one of the things that the Beverage Control Board in the counties used to do is send around high school kids who looked like they were 25 or 30 years old. And they would, uh, the girls would get on makeup and get on a business suit like they were just getting off of work and uh, the guys would come in with the ties and and, you know, I mean, you get some of these high school football players, they look like they're, you know, in their uh, upper 20s anyway. And they would come in and they would go back and they'd pick up a six pack or they'd pick up a bottle of wine or they'd pick up something and they'd bring it up to the counter. And you were supposed to ask for ID if they looked like they were too young. And they purposely put these kids so that they looked like they were older. And if you sold it to them, they would go out and then the, uh, well, if it was being done by the county, the sheriff would come back in and say, oh, you sold this to a minor here. And, you know, you can get, you can lose your job. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. And people who work in these liquor stores, they need their jobs. And it used to really tick me off. I called one day and asked the company, I said, do you keep records of who you sold this stuff to? And they go, yeah, we do. I said, well, I'm, my name's Ron Hunt. I work for stores such and such and, you know, Bayonet Point down here. And I just wondered if you have any records of me. And they looked up and they said, yes. They said, as a matter of fact, you have the most times that you've asked for IDs for the miners we've sent in than anyone else. And I said, that's crazy. I said, that's crazy that you do that to us. It's crazy that you, you know, I mean, sure, you got to watch it. And sure, you got to check on it. But, oh, my gosh, you know, that's like entrapment, I think. You know, dressing people up to look like they're 10 years older than what they really are. And then, you know, you can get fired for it. And I always, always thought that was wrong and the county still does it they send people into bars and they send people into liquor stores and stuff like that and they still do it 
trying to catch people selling to minors. And that's just so much bullshit. So, okay, I'm I'm off of that off of that uh ranting stool now. But Oregon, you know, I'll tell you what, why don't you just have UPS sign for it? Uh, have the people sign for it. That would really solve the problem. Don't let them leave it anymore. Just have them sign for it. You know, and if you do that, well, that really, yeah. That would, that would make sense, though. Yeah. And uh, I don't think government entities are supposed to make sense anymore. Oh, <laughs> you got a point there. Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. You got uh, a point such a simple solution. It's like, no, they'll find something. Yeah. But um, it's, you know this this thing. It's always that. I mean, whenever they start talking about having sales mm-hmm. to the homes in any state, that's always the argument. Mm-hmm. Well, the kids will get it. Oh, you know, I just mm-hmm. it drives me crazy. And here, Oregon, right. you know, and they sent these kids out to check and see if they can order and if it's delivered to them. Well, yeah, you know, it, it says there a total of 106 observations were completed by Oregon young adults in seven counties. Okay, in other words, minors just to see if they can get it. You know, I mean, come on. Oh, okay. So, if you're oh, listening, Oregon yeah. legislature, quit it. Just tell UPS and FedEx and all those delivery services to be sure they get the signatures, and it's fixed. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm done. There, there so. are ways. They just have to. They just have to uh, to do it. Um, have to do yeah, it. you mentioned yeah. that we were uh, before we're closing the show, and uh, I looked up at because I'm watching the stream uh, version to see what's going out, you know, over the internet, and I'm thinking, wow, it's it's barely, you know, eight o'clock. It's like it was. I think at the time it was seven or eight till eight o'clock. And you said before we end the show, and I go, wait a minute, we're like eight minutes early. What's going on? Well, apparently I didn't realize it's eight o two, but our stream is like six minutes, seven minutes behind. So oh wow! I'm still waiting for that. Yeah, and um, just in good timing, we have a thunderstorm. I don't know if you heard the thunder, but yes, um, I did. we've got to make yeah. the thunderstorm going through right now. <laughs> I'm looking at the radar <laughs> and going, whoa! I didn't realize it was we even had a chance for that today, but. Um, yeah, some pretty heavy stuff out there. Some wow. some good uh, color radars uh, really showing showing its uh, stuff tonight. But uh, wow. yeah, so I guess good timing. And tomorrow, yeah, oh. wow, yeah. So we're previewing it, and then after we preview it, everybody else will get the rain tomorrow. Yeah, so, since around yeah. the state, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, just, this is good. The state can have it now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I guess. Uh, that's strange. I didn't realize we, the video feed was, or the yeah the whole feed was that far behind. It's uh, I didn't know it was that. I thought maybe a, you know ten mm-hmm. seconds or something like that. I didn't realize yeah. it. Yeah, usually it is, wow. but uh, wow. I don't. No, what if I refresh this? If that would change. Anyway, so um, we'll you know unless you have any late minute uh, things to nope. add, last minute things. Nothing else. Go ahead and, oh. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone. Wine and chocolate. I talked about it last week. Now is a, you know, get your wine and chocolate for Valentine's Day. Don't forget, unless you're underage. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, good. Good postscript there. Yeah, we're good PSAs today. <laughs> That's, right. Uh, That's right. Keeping you informed. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and uh, close the show out now at uh Four minutes after eight o'clock, looks like. I don't know yeah. what's going to happen to the live feed. Live feed. If I turn this off now, but uh, after the theme song, but interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, so, have a good weekend. Be safe. Happy uh, Happy Halloween. Happy uh, Valentine's Day. For some people, it could be Halloween if you forget anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, it seems like Halloween's always the default holiday. Whenever you, you know, I, I, you know, I've done that lots of times, you know, New Year's, Happy Halloween. I don't know. It's New Year's. Happy New Year's. But Halloween always seems to be the default holiday. Wrong one. Yeah. yeah yep. The default wrong <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you all. Uh, losing my voice. We'll talk with you all next uh, Thursday, which is February 16th, right here on Blog Talk Radio, uh, Mixed Cloud, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. 
thank you for listening and uh, have a great week and a weekend. Be safe and uh, we'll talk to you then. Surprise. Thanks for listening. Be safe out there. <laughs> thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinedpr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Hey. Oh, and it, it cuts off right away, so they didn't see the, uh, they didn't get the ending or anything. Wow! I, I, wow! So, I thought they were like way ten. Hmm. I thought they were like ten seconds, yeah. fifteen seconds behind us. Yeah, I've listened it usually to it is. before, and that's all that's they were. Cool. Yeah, wow. I don't know what happened. Oh. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.